this morning will definitely be missed. I'm going to get into the Word for just a moment. I'm going to jump in and try to stick to the Word and not tell too many stories because I am cognizant of the time this morning. Uh, so we're going to start out in the book of 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Brother Johnson, I wrote on there 1 through 9. I'll probably uh, just jump somewhere in the midst there. Paul is writing to Timothy here. We've heard this recently. In fact, we heard this Wednesday night as Brother Stan Cook was with us and he uh, talking of perilous times. And I'm kind of going to try to pick up a little bit where Brother Cook left off as he was talking of the, of the perilous times going on and the things around us. Um, I, want, I was reading that a little bit after he spoke this week and realizing that as Paul talked to Timothy of perilous times at the end of chapter 3, he began chapter 4 telling him to go to preach the word, and realizing that in the perilous times that we are in, we are the church for this time, and we're not simply here to get through perilous times, but we are here to be the church of God and to do his work, to do what he has called and equipped us to do in these times. So that's the direction we'll try to go, and we'll see where we end up this morning. But Paul writes to Timothy, this know also. That in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. We will stop there. We can go through the rest, but... Brother Cook did a wonderful job on all of that Wednesday night. Uh, so we're going to stop there for just a moment, and I want to pray that, ask that the Lord will just touch, speak to our hearts through His Word this morning. Lord, we thank You, we praise You, and we exalt You. I thank You for what You've done in this service as You've already moved mightily and miraculously, and I ask that You continue to move, Lord, that You anoint lips of clay this morning to speak to our hearts. We thank You, we praise You. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Paul writes of perilous times, times that are a mess, times that are in disarray and not how things should be. And he writes of all these things going on and certainly we could spend all the time we wanted this morning talking about how Paul's description of perilous times as he talks to Timothy here, how those describe the times in which we live today. It's hard to pick one verse to place here this morning is we could go to Revelation and see how it talks about times in the last days. We could go to Matthew and read of wars and rumors of wars and all the things going on. But suffice to say that Timothy, as he talks about these last days, perilous times coming, he doesn't just stop talking and say, oh, it's all going to be horrible and it's all going to go bad and everything's going to fall apart. And then say, okay, sign it off here, you all enjoy that, and, and leave it there. But then he goes on to tell Timothy, in the midst of all of this, and when everything's not going the way that maybe you think it should, preach the gospel. When everything in the world is a mess, and people are living however they feel to live, and not in the way that God had instructed and had laid out for them to live an overcoming life as Christ walked and talked on this earth, when all of that's happening and all that's going on, preach the gospel. 
When everything is falling apart, maybe breaking, maybe not working, maybe in the times when you look, Timothy, and you see that nothing doesn't even make sense and the world doesn't look like it's supposed to. In that time, Timothy, preach the gospel. It describes the time we live in, these perilous times, but what that tells me as I read it is not that, oh no, everything is wrong and everything is broken. I don't I don't read this and become, even though we share a last name, I don't become Chicken Little. The sky isn't falling. It's simply a time and a place in which our world needs the gospel that we have more than ever before. If you enjoyed the Chicken Little quip, just imagine if my wife would have allowed me, as I wanted to, to name Braden Stewart. Laura, they laughed at my joke. We go and look at the time that we are in and I come to a realization that it is not simply a time to sit down and read the news and get bogged down by it and caught with everything going down. And, and that, that's hard for me to do because I want to get up in the morning I want to read the news and everything that's going on. And I, I see all of that and, and it's hard for me not to get up here and spend 30 minutes. I promise I'll be as short as I can. It's coming on noon already. But it's hard for me not to get up here and spend 30 minutes about everything going on in the world because the world's a mess. But when it comes down to it, the world being a mess, the darker it is just means that our light can shine that much brighter. The more perilous that times are simply means that there are more people than ever before that need to know my Jesus. Esther experienced a similar situation. We're going to highlight on one scripture. If you haven't heard of the story of Esther, Esther was an Israelite girl. As they Israelites were in captivity, she was picked out by the king and she became a queen. In their time, it was being queen doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot other than she was the king's wife because she wasn't even allowed to go in and talk to the king without his permission, without the risk of punishment of death. But the Israelites had become to be persecuted. And as Haman is plotting to kill all the Jews, and Esther saying, I don't know what to do here, but I do have some pull with the king, and how can I save all this? And her uncle Mordecai comes and he talks to her, and we're just going to read one verse for time's sake. The fourth chapter, verse 14. Mordecai, Esther's uncle, is talking to her. He says, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, if you sit by quiet while all this is going on, Esther, then there shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Lorenzo talked about this this morning in our Valor Project as talking that God's going to do what God's going to do regardless of whether I get involved or not. If I don't do it, God's going to do it without me. And as Mordecai is talking to Esther, he says... God, there will be enlargement. There will be deliverance. The Jews will be delivered, Esther, whether you do it or you do not. There is no stopping, Almighty God, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. If the Jews are delivered, Esther, and you keep your mouth shut, you won't gain anything out of this. You and yours will be destroyed in this place. And he comes to where I'm actually focusing in this verse. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such... A time is this. My thought this morning as we speak for a few moments here is that we are placed, who we are, where we are, 
when we are, not by accident, but we are called and we are positioned where we are by Almighty God for such a time as this. We are placed here for this purpose. We are placed here for this revival. I, I begin to title this this morning and I, I came upon for such a time as this, but as I was trying to figure out what to write at the top of my page so I could remember it next time I go to flip through these notes, I, I almost titled The New Normal. We hear talk of, of the, the new normal since COVID and everything is going to be the same as it was before and everything is just a little bit different and what is normal is new. But what I've noticed in the last few weeks and, and months since my wife and I and our family were blessed to call First Church our home, I have noticed that revival is the new normal. I count every Sunday morning. You'll see me kind of looking. I'm try, I promise I'm not trying to stare every one of you right in the optic nerves. I am, I'm counting each of you to try to get a guess of how many and people move and go. So I get an estimate every Sunday of how many there are because I like to know and it does my heart good to know that there's about 60% more people here than there were on our first Sunday. Because revival is our new normal. Our new normal is not that we just waste away. Sister Laura, the normal is not just that old people come in the building until they die. Thank the Lord. Because I laid a bunch of ceramic tile this week and I'm feeling like I'm on the, between being on my hands and knees all week, I feel like I'm on that path real quick. But I'm thankful that I don't come here just to say, okay, um, well, I'm old and I'm dying, so I better start going to church. But no, the new normal is that first church is a revival church. We named off a schedule and announcements. And there was one day this week I didn't name out. And I'll tell you on that day, KCA has some stuff going on. We are a busy church. A busy church is a revival church. Our normal is revival. God is doing mighty things at first church, but with all that God is doing, with all the revival and all the growth and with all the miraculous things we've seen in the last six months, I can tell you there are still hurting people in our community. There are still lives that need touch, though. There are still people. As Lorenzo was talking this morning, God has been burdening Lorenzo and Kaiser as we've been talking that, that we can't ever expect for every person in our community to make it in our doors. I can't simply say, well, I don't know why they're not here. The door is right there. The church is right here by the roundabout. Pretty easy to find. Why isn't God touching everybody? Why aren't there 700 people in this building? But it's not enough to just say, well, here we are and the doors are unlocked on Sunday morning. But today in this place, in this time, we are put here for this time. We're put here for this place, we are here for this revival, but what that means is that I have to take my God and I can't just be up here in my place. If you haven't noticed, I'm not pastor. I, I, I tend to go from that speaker to that speaker. If I'm real adventurous, I'll get all the way over here by the piano. Sometimes I'll even get all the way over here. In fact, when I get real excited, I generally, no matter how excited I get, I don't roam and grab Kaiser and manhandle him all the way to the back door like we saw last Sunday. In fact, if I'm really excited, I'm more likely, and my wife had to tell me I had to quit when I was younger, but I'd start preaching and I'd start undressing. I don't mean undressed, but first I lose my suit coat and then my tie and then I start unbuttoning and then I've, I've set the mic down and hollered for a minute while I roll my shirt sleeves up and, and I, I, 
just how I preached, and I've, I've gotten to where apparently that's distracting. So, and I, I just try to keep my clothes on while I preach now. I'm so glad this is live streamed. Um, that's my favorite. We learn some things as we grow. I also don't preach from my phone or from my iPad anymore because my friends are idiots. They'll take moments like that and send me immediately a text to pop up in the middle of my sermon. So, Zach, if you're watching, you don't get that. Paper notes. Um, so we are, we are put here in this place for this revival and this for community, and it's comfortable for me from right here to right over here. I can do that. I can work back and forth. I can walk back and forth. I, I had gotten used to a lapel, and both of my hands would be just as animated as this left one is. But I can hold the mic with my right hand, and I can wave this left hand around, and I can chat and shout and holler, and I can tell stories. I can generally make most of you laugh, and if you don't enjoy it, I'm sorry. It's funny for everybody else. But I, I, this is where I'm comfortable. But for me, I start getting out here, and this is, this is awkward. I know Brother Sharon can pick Christian up, carry him to the back door, or even take his jacket with his cell phone in it and just chuck it down the middle of the church. Um, this is awkward for me. This isn't a comfortable place for me. But it's in the same way, it's comfortable for us to have the gospel inside the church. It's comfortable for me to come to church and on Sunday morning I come in and Zoe, I come in and I can tell you about Jesus and we'll talk about God and Valor Project and we'll come out, maybe some of us pray a little bit and we have Bible study and we listen to somebody else teach and God is doing everything God's going to do and we expect that and then we get to worship service and we're jumping, we're shouting, we're running around, somebody runs the aisles, maybe, maybe it was... We get over here and we can't quite run anymore, but we just circle the column. We, we can do all of that. It's Sunday morning. We're apostolics. We're Pentecostal. We're all a little bit crazy anyway. That happens. But then Monday comes, and it's so much less comfortable to continue to be just as crazy about Jesus on Monday when I'm at work. That's kind of, for most of us, about like me stepping down there. It's not the same, it's not where we feel it, but in this time and in this day, I can't keep my Jesus inside the building. I can't keep the gospel in the four walls of the church. If that means I have to come over here and i got to jump on the altar, that's okay. If that means I have to run over here and I've got to jump up on this pew, that's okay too. I can do that. It may not be comfortable. It may not be what I want to do. Maybe not what I'm used to doing, but in this time. I am placed here for this time and this place for this revival. And if that means I'm a little uncomfortable, I still have to get the gospel to those around. Esther, she wasn't comfortable going before the king. Imagine walking in and she walks in knowing that if he raises his scepter, she can talk and she's okay. If he doesn't raise his scepter, it does not even require a word from the king. Simple non-movement will end her life. And in any way she walks in, you talk about an uncomfortable situation. That's, I don't know if I'm walking towards death or not. But I'm going to walk in anyway. Because I was put here for such a time as this. I'll tell you how I feel in that situation. I would have been real tempted to, yeah, I'm going to, nope, I'm out. (laughs) I I would have been real tempted to not make it all the way in there. Because I'm not real big on getting killed. Not my favorite thing. I had not something I'm trying to get happened. 
My driving may tell you otherwise, but I really want to keep living. But she didn't necessarily want to, but she headed in there anyway. It wasn't comfortable, but she walks before Almighty, or before the King. I'm getting sidetracked. She walks before the King anyway because she knew that Almighty God would bless what she had. She knew that she had been put where she was put for that time, for such a time as this. We read in the book of Philippians, the first chapter, there are a million verses that talk about boldness, but Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. In chapter 20, he says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, and he says, I know that you all are doing this and all, all this is going on, but I want you to remember why we're here. We're not here for your glorification. We're not here for your magnification. We are here for His glory. We are here to magnify Him and we only get that through boldness. It was only through boldness that Esther walked through the doors. It was only through boldness that Paul and Silas sitting in the jail cell began to pray and God begot a miracle. It was only through boldness that Christ as He leaves the garden or leaves His prayer place in the garden walks to a spot that he knows he is headed to Calvary. But he did that anyway because he loved me. He did that anyway, Brother Marty, because he loved you. And I, if my God could walk knowingly to Calvary because he cared for me, I can do whatever I need to do to take his gospel to his world. I can do whatever I need to to take his care and his love to all the hurting people that he can touch. My goal, my... Desire has to be to get him to them. In Acts, the second chapter, verse 14, the gift of the Holy Ghost has just been poured out earlier in the second chapter. And generally, as apostolics, we go to Acts chapter 2, we're reading the first four verses, and then we're jumping down to 38. If we're real adventurous, we go back to 37. Um, But in verse 14, Peter stands up and he begins to address the crowd. He starts what is... Essentially, the first um, sermon of the New Testament post-Christ church. Uh, the first sermon, essentially, of the dispensation of grace. And as he begins to deliver this sermon, he stands up and says, With the eleven. So all the disciples are there in solidarity. He lifts up his voice. He says, uh, All those that are here, let it be known unto you. Uh, mark my words. These men aren't drunk as you suppose. It's just the third hour of the day. But we get to verse 16. He says, But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He says, what you see right here has been prophesied of old. He said, as, as you see these people and God is doing these things, this has been happening and been talked about for hundreds of years since the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams on my Servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord shall come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He goes on to preach the rest of that sermon, and they ask him how to be saved. And he gets to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, everyone in the name of Jesus. Trying to talk as fast as Brother Sharon, it's not working. 
Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that promises unto you and to your children and all those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But I want to focus on this portion at verse 17 that he's telling them in the last days. Sounds awful lot like in these last days there will be perilous times. God will pour out His Spirit. There's coming a time that God is going to begin to move mightily and miraculously. There's coming a time that God's going to begin to move whether we are a part of it or not. Whether we are excited or not. Whether we're joining it and we're getting out there and we're getting out of our comfort zone and we are being Christ to our community and taking His gospel to every person we interact with. Or we sit back and watch somebody else do it. Sister Shea, if you'd come. When that time comes, I can only hope that every one of us is doing everything we can to take Him to them. I can only pray that every one of us is realizing that Christian, you, you were called and you were placed right here for such a time as this. All of us were placed here right now. Adriana, you're here today, baby, not because daddy's here preaching, but you're here because you were called to this place for such a time as this. Cameron, Emily, little story. She's the youngest one here. And she was called here and she was placed here today for such a time as this. All of us, we've, God's called us and pulled us in different ways and different times. And we've, some have made sacrifices to be here. Some were, were born here and blessed to be here all our lives. But however we got here, we have to know and we have to understand that God put me here today for this revival. And the work He is doing, the new normal of First Church, that is that every Sunday we'll have visitors that weren't here last Sunday, Sister Shea. It, that's not something I'm just saying in faith. That's something God has proved out recently. The fact that every time I walk into this place, every time I take a microphone every time I begin to speak to you, every time we begin to sit down in Bible study on Tuesday nights, that that time and that place is my opportunity to give the gospel. But so much more is every time I run into somebody in Walmart, every time I'm talking to somebody that I have dealing with somewhere throughout town, in my day-to-day goings of life, I was just as much placed right there, right then for this time, for this revival. I can shout till I'm out of breath and I almost have. I don't have much voice left, but that's okay. This morning, I simply want to make sure that we are cognizant of the fact that we do not have a day to waste. If today this is your first time at First Church, or maybe you've been here a while, but never really just jumped in there. Maybe God's tugging at your heartstrings in a way He never has before. And you're realizing that you want something more in Him. You're here this morning for that. If you've been here for 50 years, and God has always worked through you and used you mightily and miraculously. Elders, I am so thankful for what you've given, but today is not the day to quit. Today is not the day to do any less. Oh, maybe we can't quite worship when we, the way we used to. I can remember my grandfather later in his life. He couldn't stand up anymore. And 
He'd sit there and his arm wouldn't get as high as he wanted, so he'd maybe pick his cane up and kind of raise it a little ways. He'd do everything he could to just worship with all he had. It's Maybe you can't do what you could do before. Maybe your ministry has to change a little bit or how God uses you has to change a little bit. But elders, we, we still need you. And you're still here for this time and this day. The revivals of yesterday are awesome. But there's a revival of today and a revival of tomorrow that needs you all just as bad as you were needed then. Young people, you are here today for what God is doing tomorrow. You're here today for what God's doing today. And I don't want you to just think that you are simply here until you get out of the youth group. And maybe you go to Bible college or into what God's going to do. And then you can live for God. And then you can witness to people. No, you are here for today. Parents, it's easy to get caught up with the cares of life and raising kids. And Well, I've got all this to do, but a few years the kids will be out of my house and I can... I can do great things. You are here today for such a time as this. And revival starts with those kids you're carrying. Those ones you bring in with you. The ones you drag in on the days they don't want to come to church. Revival begins by bringing them anyway. And letting them see that mom and dad go to church because God's there. And that's what we're going to get to. Today, wherever we are, whatever stage of life, whatever place we walk in. I want us to leave this place remembering that God places us here. Not just because this is where we walked in, but we're called for such a day as this. And I want you to remember that God will reach those He's going to reach to the best of His, not the best of His ability, God has all ability. He will do what He's going to do anyway. And those that will accept Him are going to come to accept Him anyway. But if you don't get on board, what does that say about you in eternity? This morning, our altars are open. I'd I'd love for you to come. I want to make a commitment this morning to give all that I have and allow God to place somebody in my heart this week, somebody I can reach, somebody I can talk to and let know about Jesus, somebody that I can tell about all the good things God's done for me. I I don't ever want somebody hurting to not know what I know about who Jesus is. As our praise team begins to sing, as God begins to move mightily, take some time this morning to commit, Lord, let me do all that I can. Lord, let me be everything that I can to spread your gospel. God, let me to know each and every day that I am here today for such a time as this.